Welcome to Finding Your Bench, brought to you by Parkside Investments, a show designed to help listeners overcome the challenges associated with preparing for retirement. So welcome to Finding Your Bench. I am Chris Engelman, Managing Director of Parkside Investments, and I'm here with my colleague, Nelson Green. Hey, Chris. Hey, Nelson. So we're recording this podcast on November 4th. Calendar has now flipped into the 11th month of the year and one of my favorite months of the year because we're really starting the holiday season as far as I'm concerned. You got a favorite dish around Thanksgiving? Oh, it's turkey. It's turkey, turkey, turkey. turkey. The turkey the day of or the turkey sandwich the next day? There's a difference. The the whole rigmarole. (laughs) I love it all. That's for sure. Uh, that's fair. There's a grocery store down here in the South that does like these turkey sandwiches, but they do like the the cranberries on them. It's like the Thanksgiving turkey subs that they make. And I always look forward to that. Clearly, and my, my mom makes some really great food too. So I'm excited. Nice. So hopefully I will get invited. Not necessarily. Hopefully I get invited to your mom's house, but maybe if I don't get invited to your mom's house, you can take me over to the, your favorite sandwich shop. That does sound pretty good with the cranberries <laughs> on top. Deal. Deal. So with this being the holiday season, a lot of time being going to be spent with family. Probably a few of us are going to be talking about sports. Yep. Maybe what's going on with the Bears and the Jaguars down in Jacksonville. Oh, okay. Short conversation. Very short conversation. <laughs> wait, wait till next year, right? Next year. It's always exactly. next year. Exactly. And then there's going to be some other conversations. Hopefully we avoid talking about politics. Um, but my guess is a few of us are going to have some conversations about money. Yeah, definitely. Right. Uh, a few drinks, potentially got some turkey and politics, religion and, and money always comes up, uh, depending on which uh, which family dynamic you're in. And it's a typically a sensitive subject. Right. So we we try to avoid them in a lot of different households, but uh, undeniably, they, they tend to come up. Right. They absolutely come up. They absolutely come. Well, first of all, so why do you think it's so sensitive? I think there's a lot of reasons why, you know, it, clearly people tend to relate their own worth, right? The value they have as a human um, with the money they've made. And and that's not the right way to look at it. But I think in the type of society we're in, it's just very easy to do that. Uh, If you're someone that's made mistakes with money in the past, it's, you know, you don't want to be forthcoming about those mistakes. You don't want to share those mistakes. And everyone makes mistakes with money, right? It's everyone. Um, and then typically, you know, the same thing, you don't bring up politics and religion, right? You don't want to have that conflict. You do not want to be throwing turkeys around on Thanksgiving uh, because someone said something where uh, it was perceived or offensive to uh, another relative. That's <laughs> probably very true. So, so I'm used to talking about money uh, with my children who are in high school. And I say, wait a second, what are you spending money for? And why am sure. I giving you this allowance? Um, <laughs> I'm used to having conversations with my wife about money and we won't go into that right now. Mm-hmm. Right. Fair. Um, and then there's the conversation of the adult child having that conversation with their about money with their adult parent. Yeah. That's a it's a tricky dynamic, right? And you know, you, you talked a little about right, you have parent talking to kind of the adolescent, uh, spouse to spouse is very important. But for today, we do want to address that topic of adult child talking to adult parent, or maybe even vice versa. There is a huge 
barrier here. It's this invisible barrier where a lot of people don't want to bridge that conversation until it's too late, until there is this uh, elephant in the room where it has to be addressed or something's happened and it's causing dysfunction and stress in a family. And it's just something that doesn't get brought up quick enough. So we thought we'd focus on that today. So I know the number one fear of our clients is during retirement, I should say, is that they run out of money and that they have to rely on their adult children who they've been supporting all their life. No, no one wants to have to rely on their children. Yeah. And you say that's a fear. How many of the children actually think they, they know that fear of their parents? I think there's probably very few real, very few have ex- at least adults have expressed that to their children. Sure. They might yeah. know it intu- they might know it intuitively, but people have definitely not expressed that that is a fear that they have. Yeah. Again, kind of getting back to the purpose of these types of conversations. If you can bring those fears out into the open a little bit earlier, um, clearly things can be done. It's kind of like steering a really big ship, right? You make a right or a left. It's not going to turn right and left, but it's going to happen down the road. So you want to start turning before you get to the turn is the idea. So, so the question is, how do you start that conversation? Whether you're, should the adult or the parent start that with their adult child, or should it be the child starting that with their parent? I think it depends, right? If it depends on the dynamic of the relationship. But the first thing I'll say is these types of conversations are typically not best suited for the holidays. We use the holidays as an excuse to have these conversations because it's very rarely that entire family, especially if you're living across state lines, everyone gets together. But maybe this is the time where you want to plant the seed for the conversation, but not just have the entire conversation because it can be a sensitive subject and it can create a little bit of difficulty or uh, distance in the actual dynamic of the relationship. So first off, I would not say let's not plan on Thanksgiving having these really deep conversations about money. Okay. Um, I would maybe plant the seed, but let's not have these huge conversations at this time. So we don't want to do that with Thanksgiving table, but maybe set the stage for, okay, on Friday after Thanksgiving, yeah, let's meet at noontime or whenever the next day and have that start to have that conversation. Sure. Yeah. And I I get asked about this a lot is, you know, how do I even start this conversation? So patent pending, I have this method that I think is really important to follow. Uh, It's called the circle method, right? So clearly each one of those letters is going to represent different, different. um, But the idea is that it's a, a very tried and true approach to making sure that the conversation goes well. Are you ready for it? I, I am ready for it. Patent pending circle method. <laughs> Nelson, bring, bring it on. Tell me what yeah. it is. Uh, so for C, consent, right? You want to ask permission to even bring up the conversation to start out with, right? This is not some, like, for instance, when my wife comes to me and says, hey, can we talk about something? I know I'm in trouble right then and there. But at least she wants to start the conversation versus just jumping right into it. I think that's really important because getting that consent, getting that buy-in about having this conversation, it just sets the tone the right way. Uh, The other party doesn't feel like they're being attacked. They don't feel like they're being surprised. And if it isn't the right time to have that conversation, because we don't know what's going on in the other person's life, they may say, let's not do it now. Let's not do it next month, but let's carve out some time maybe in January or February to broach this subject. And does getting consent both apply to the 
parent asking the child as well as the child asking the parent? I think it can go both ways, right? So for instance, if you feel like you're someone that has a really good grasp on money and maybe your parents don't have that same grasp, which is completely fine, maybe you're the one leading that conversation. Uh, vice versa, you're a parent that really has just had a great success with money, but your, your kids may be struggling a little bit and you wanna take lead with that conversation. It's sensitive either way, but asking for consent, getting the permission to actually have the conversation is really important. I think it helps set the tone for the future conversation. Okay, so what comes after consent? What's the I in circle? <laughs> uh, I is going to be identify concerns, right? And this really all comes back to something that is relatable. So for instance, if I come to you, um, I'm going to say, hey, hey, Chris, you know, I'd like to have this conversation about money. Well, what's going to be next? I want to share my concerns with you about what is keeping me up at night or maybe something that I had a friend go through that was very negative for them. Or I read this article that was pertaining to money and the transfer of wealth, and it really concerned me. I'm sharing those feelings up front help bring down those walls potentially for the other party and having a little bit of relatability between both. So if they can see where you're coming from, they're a little bit more likely to not be as defensive. Right. And I think that's key. You identify your concern, you've taken down the wall, you're saying to them, hey, could you help me out with this? And this is your, you're showing some vulnerable yeah. vulnerability here. Yeah. And that is really helpful in saying to have a real conversation as opposed to an argument back and forth. That's for sure. Exactly. Because it is a conversation. It's a give and take. And a great way to start any conversation is, again, to your point, being a little bit more vulnerable, sharing something personal. That way they can see where you're coming from. And hopefully it's a place of real concern uh, and not something that maybe could be misconstrued. Okay. So we covered consent, the C, identify concerns, the I. What's the R? I feel like, uh, what, what was the show for the kids? Sesame Street? Yes, yes. <laughs> this is financial planning for Sesame Street. Love it. Yes. Uh, R, uh, rephrase the discussion. So again, this is about being on the same page. So Chris, you know, if I'm talking to you uh, and you say something like, oh, you know, I just, it's not something I've ever really worried about. Or, you know, maybe you're, you're going the other direction saying like, I don't know if I'm going to be okay asking those probative questions, rephrasing. So you're telling me that you don't feel like you're going to be okay. Is this because uh, of your savings? Is it because of the ongoing market conditions? Is it because of ongoing liabilities you may have? Finding that common ground, a great way of doing that is rephrasing what the other person is saying and making sure you both understand each other. Because again, we are on completely other sides of the fence here. We can't really see what's going on because a lot of that information hasn't been shared in the past. So taking that dialogue, rephrasing it in your own words, and making sure both parties are on the same page is really important. Okay, so going back to my example of the parents saying that they're concerned that they're concerned that they're going to have to run out of money and they're going to have to rely on their children in older, older age. You know, the child can say, rephrase the concern and saying, "Okay, you are concerned about having to rely on me." Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the concern. Yeah. That's just, a concern. Yeah. And both parties being aware is, is again, going to take us to our, our next one, which is coming to an agreement. And and for the people following along, uh, CIRC. 
So, so the next C is going to be coming to an agreement. And this is where I'd really exercise patience because you may go into this conversation with a laundry list of things that want to be addressed, right? Payable on death designations, uh, estate planning, creating trusts, uh, you know, finding that flow of money from one generation to the next, but they may not be there. And it goes both ways, right? So they may not be there. So I'd encourage you to exercise patience and even a small win is still a win. So let's take beneficiaries as an example. Um, you got a you know, matriarch, patriarch, partner, partner, however you want to phrase it, um, that maybe opened up accounts 40 years ago and has the same banking account. And this is before even that adult maybe even been alive. And so asking that question of, well, what about, you know, if something happens, what's going to go on with your bank? Having just the payable on death designations could be a win there. So what I'm trying to say is it doesn't always have to be this big moonshot. It can be something small, but coming to an agreement on what the next steps are going to be or what you guys want to focus on together is a win. And it helps open up the dialogue to more deeper, more complex topics that are going to need to be addressed sometime in the future. But again, if you don't start, you can't build on it. Sure. So what I'm seeing right now, um, a lot of our clients have been very generous with their children and grandchildren and establishing 529 plans. Sure. And I had an experience this week where I have a client who has funded three grandchildren's 529 plans. Mm -hmm. And the first child will end up, actually ended up getting a scholarship okay. and is going to use very little of his 529 plan. All right. So the question I had for the client that he's got to go back and talk about with his parent is, can he use those funds for the other two children? Sure. Or does that money really belong to the first grandchild? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and so you're talking about getting little wins, you know, coming to trying to understand what was the grandparents' intention in giving these monies? Is the money for that third generation? Or was that money for the second generation to make sure that they are able to pay for the all of their grandchildren's college yeah. educations? I love that. I love yeah. that because I think that's such a great way, a great way to build trust across multiple generations, right? Because you're going to the the parent of that child, right? If you're talking about a grandchild type situation and saying, hey, you know, this money was earmarked here. Clearly, we're not going to use this. What is going to be best for your children? Uh, and clearly, you know, finding that common ground there is going to be really important. But man, just think about the trust that could have been built in that one typical situation. It seems like that's a family that may talk pretty freely about money, potentially. Um, potentially, but it, but it's a but they hadn't talked about money to the extent that the the adult child didn't know if was the intention of their parent to give money to the grandchildren or was that money really for the child to pay for all of the grandchildren's education? Right. Really yeah. Different approach. Yeah, exactly. Cause one party typically has the intent and the knowledge and the other party is kind of left in the dark. Right. But creating that dialogue and having that effective conversation, man, it just, it, it's great for building trust. Right. All right. So C I R C we're on L L is going to be for leaning on third party experts. If you're not someone that really feels comfortable bringing up these conversations or, or 
maybe don't have the financial acumen to, to lead a discussion on this, this is where you can bring in some of those third-party experts, whether that's an estate attorney, a CPA, a financial advisor, financial planner, however you want to phrase it, someone that can be Sweden in this conversation, a little bit more neutral, right? And kind of just have a little bit more of an educational presence on some of the options, I think could take a little bit more pressure off both parties involved. And the nice thing is, you know, if you're working with a financial advisor, some of these people may even take the meeting um, on hourly basis. They may take the meeting, uh, I don't want to call it pro bono, but there may not be fees associated with it. Same thing with the other entities, uh, you know, a state attorney, just having someone there having that conversation, facilitating it. There may not be a fee associated with that, but clearly that's something you can do a little bit more upfront. The idea there is they're going to be neutral and they're going to provide some education on some of the content you guys are talking about. Right, so a conversation I'm also having with many of my clients is fair does not necessarily mean equal. Yep. And again, going back to a family with three adult children, one of them may need a little bit more financial support. So the question is, in a will that one child that may have borrowed a hundred thousand dollars to help with their lifestyle mm -hmm. um, should that child then have get a hundred thousand dollars less when they pass away yeah yeah and leaning on your third party providers whether that be a financial advisor or an estate attorney to say lay out the options and what they see other families do to make things fair maybe not equal, and help them walk through this process. We see a lot of our clients having that, having those types of conversations with us just to find out the, their different options and what other families do around yeah. those types of issues. And think about it like this. If you are someone who is um, you know, the initiator of this conversation, a good way to build trust as this process is happening is saying, like, if I'm talking to you, Chris, and I've started this conversation, I may say, Chris, yo, hey, it may be good if we go talk to an estate attorney. Do you know anyone that you can recommend? Right. That way, it doesn't feel like you are in control of the conversation. You've given them the ability to find that third party expert. But I would definitely leverage this as a way just to take the arms down on both sides. Right. And kind of have right. that mediator in the middle. And it's a great educational experience as well. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's so let's get on to the final letter in the circle E. Man, what does E stand for? This is it, so it stands for execute the plan, and this is my biggest pet peeve, right? Because I do a lot of financial planning for for younger families, and yeah, you know, we'll create this really great plan, and we hand it over to them, and then it's just it, nothing happens. Nothing happens at that point, you know. I'll write them back in a few weeks. Oh, you know, we bought a boat. Oh, cool. I don't remember that being in the plan, but good for you. I will see you on Saturday. Right. So the idea here is please execute this plan once it's in place. Do not let it fall by the wayside. Hold regular check-ins and make sure that what you set out to do um, back and come to an agreement, step four here, is actually taking place because you don't want to spend the time. The, the toughest part here is even initiating the conversation. So you do not want to get over this huge hill and then nothing happens. Right. The, the will is not put together. The trust didn't get put together. The, the PODs didn't get taken care of because it, life just got busy. And that's what everyone's excuse always is. So I would encourage you, if you're going to take the time, be brave, have the conversation, you need to execute. That is the biggest part of it, right? Because everyone can talk. It may not be fun, but putting in the work is really where things happen. So accountability is what you're saying. Yeah, sure. But we, we, need, to, at the end. <laughs> we, we, we need to be accountable to one another and maybe reward each other for being accountable. Say, okay, you know what? If we get this done, 
we're going to go out for a celebratory meal for Martin Luther King Day or for President's Weekend or whenever it's supposed to get done by. And maybe have that little extra incentive in place to make sure that you actually get it done. Yeah, a little treat. Sounds, <laughs> sounds great. Anything else as it relates to you know, talking about money issues with family? You know, the, the last thing I, I'd probably leave you here is that you never really know when you're going to need to do these things, right? So people tend to have this procrastination when it comes to money. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, I would just encourage you to start now. Um, the other thing I would say is through each one of these steps, right, the CIRCLE, if things aren't going the right way, just take a step back, right? If you get someone in a conversation and they clearly are feeling uncomfortable or not prepared, there is no harm in just stepping back because what we don't want to do is create a negative family dynamic in this process. So both sides go into their corners for a little bit is perfectly fine. Hey, let's pick this up in a few weeks. Maybe this isn't a good time. But again, asking for that, asking for that permission to have the conversation should mitigate a little bit of that. But if things are getting too hot, just walk away, right? It's not worth destroying the family dynamic over, you know, something that probably could be done, uh, you know, a month later when, when emotions calm down. Right. So, so while this can be stressful, we often find that the stress, the anxiety and thinking about having this conversation is actually more stressful than the conversation itself. Well, anything else, Nelson, you want to bring up? No, that was great. I appreciate it, Chris. That sounds great. Everyone have a great holiday season and look forward to speaking with you and talking to you and hopefully celebrating along the way. All right. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Nelson. Thanks for listening to Finding Your Bench with Parkside Investments. For more information or to get in touch, please visit us at parksideinv.com. The opinions expressed in this program for general information purposes only are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education around the financial industry. To determine what investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested in directly. As always, remember, investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional.